Okay. Okay, good evening. Tonight, um, this week is Parshas Chayesara. Today is the Rebbe Rashab's uh, birthday on Chav Cheshven. So we make a little Lachayim here, which I don't have, but maybe Shmuel Chaim is going to bring. Episode Lachayim over here, um, in honor of the Rebbe Rashab. Uh, we also want to wish a good Gebench Diyar Tachaki, whose birthday is tonight. Um, Rabbi Rashab was today. Chaki is Chaf Aleph tonight. So that's a, hap, a happy birthday and a lot of bracha to him. Much mazel, shnas bracha natzlacha, good, good, good year uh, to him. And a lot, a lot, a lot of good things happening this year. Only goodness and happy things. Okay. The mimer we are going to learn is a discourse originating in the Tzemach Tzedek, uh, but we're not going to learn it from the Tzemach Tzedek. It originates from the Tzemach Tzedek. It's, uh, uh, we are going to learn it. We're not going to learn the whole thing. Oi. Okay, for the Rebbe Shab, we have to have a skafia. I'll have a skafia for the Rebbe Shab because I, I, I would have had the other, the yellow one. Ah, okay. Now we have no breda, but only yes, a, but a tiny bit. I mean, I mean, that's it. Very good. L'chaim. L'chaim. L'chaim, Um Okay. So, um, but we're going to learn, being that it's Rebbe Rashab's birthday, we're going to learn the version from the Rebbe Rashab. It's really, again, it's it's a little bit an elaborate version of the Reb, of the Tzemach Tzedek's Mimer. It doesn't have so much Kabbalah, it has more Hasbara, more explanation. So he takes the flashing ideas of the Tzemach Tzedek that are just lighting up the sky, and he's drawing it more down into, a, uh, into, the, into the Seichel. So initially, the Mimer of the Tzemach Tzedek is an Or HaTorah, and I'm going to make reference to it. The, uh, the Mimer from the Tzemach Tzedek is an Or HaTorah on page 254. Um, daf, page, Kufchav Zayin Omad Beis. And page Kufchav Zayin Omad Beis is the Tzemach Tzedek's Mimer in Or HaTorah. The Mimer we are learning, that again, is Mamish based on that Mimer. Uh, and again, it's, it's, the, it's the Rebbe Rashab style as he assimilates it into his style of of giving over the discourse, is in Seifa Mamarim Tafresh Samach, which is the year um, Tafresh Samach is 5760. 5660. 5660. So the Mimer then was said 114 years ago. Um, okay. The Mimer does not begin with any specific direct reference to the parsha, at least not in the, the, the Rebbe Rashab's Mimer. It, it begins with a, with a statement from a Gemara, but then later he, just within the first page, he really is explaining the story of Eliezer and Rivka, Yitzchak and Rivka and the marriage of Rif, Yitzchak and Rivka. In the Tzemach Tzedek's Mimer, it does begin with the famous statement, Medbush Parshas Chayisara, Perik Samach, Amar Rab Acha, that Rab Acha makes a statement, Rashi brings it as well, 
Yafasi Hassan, it is better, the light conversation, Yafasi Hassan, it is better the light conversation of Avdei Aves, of the servants of the fathers, even more than Taydasan Shalbanim, than the Torah of the children. Then we find that the maybe even light chatter, the little, little talk, little talk from the servants of our fathers, our patriarchs Avram, Yitzhak, and Yaakov, our patriarchs Avram, Yitzhak, and Yaakov have servants, and those servants is Eliezer, and Eliezer is, the Torah narrates the story of Eliezer, but the Torah narrates the story of Eliezer twice. First when it happens, and then when, and then when Eliezer repeats what happened. And they say the whole story over again. So Rabbi says, from here we see how special the fathers are. How special the fathers are. That even their little talk, small talk, they're not saying, you know, Rabbi, uh, Eliezer wasn't giving a, a class on Kabbalah. Eliezer, Eliezer was relating a story that happened to him. Even his just, what we might say, chatter, his talk, is more precious than the Torah of the children. Because the Torah that we, that we get is all given over in a very, in a very concise and, and um, a very sh in a very short, in a very bikitzer, in a very short, uh, what? Terse. Very contracted, yeah, in a very contracted form. So we see the preciousness of the, of the forefathers, that their servants, what we might say unimportant talk, the Torah elaborates and talks about it in such great discussion. And the children, Avram, the children, us, our Torah, which is greater than just chatter. Yet, the Torah speaks, and the Medr says, there are some mitzvahs where the Torah is, is just an entire laws that are learned out from one extra little letter. And instead of the Torah telling the law, because the Torah is trying to be so short. And so many halachas are learned out from little hints. So this needs some explanation why that is. That's what, that's what Rab Acha says. And that is the root, and that is the root of this entire discourse, is to explain this idea. What he's going to explain is something that we touched upon on the Monday, on the Monday night class, and that is that the marriage of Yitzchak and Rivka is really the general union which is accomplished through all the mitzvahs of the Torah. When we do any mitzvah in the Torah, we're, we're accomplishing a certain unification between God and the world. But the unification that we're accomplishing in any mitzvah is between Hashem and a particular part of creation. The marriage of Yitzchak and Rivka is the unification between God and the sum total of all of creation. It's the unification of all of everything. This marriage contains, this is the, this is the source, and later you have only the details. All of Torah mitzvah is the details of this union. <clears throat> the concept is a mystical concept which I mentioned in the Monday night class and that is that the marriage of Yitzhak and Rivke is the union of Ma and Ban 
Ma'an Ban is another word for the union of HaKadosh Baruch Hu and the Shechina, or between God and the creation. So this is what this Mimer discusses. We're not going to do the whole Mimer tonight. I'm probably only going to do the first part of the Mimer, and I'm not, not going to finish the second half, because the second half, is an, it's like a Mimer on its own. I mean, it can be learned on its own. So I'm just going to do the first part, which is the main part of it. And uh, that's it. Okay, here we start. Darish Rab Simloi. Rab Simloi Darshins. Sheish Meyes Vishloisha Esra Mitzvah Snitna Lamoisha. 613 mitzvahs were given to Moisha. Again, this is on page Chavtes in Sefer Ramarim Tafresh Samach, a mime from the Rebbe Rashab. So Rab Simloi Darshins. 613 mitzvahs were given to Moisha. Ba David. King David came along. Vehemidon Alachas Esrei. And he established it on 11. Davin HaMelech comes and he says, the 613 mitzvahs, that's a little too much. I'm going to establish 11. Let's keep, let's just stick to 11. Shunemar, as it says, Mizmah David, a song to David. And Davin HaMelech summarizes, Hashem, God, oh God, mi yagur who can live in your tent? Mi yishkain bahar who can dwell in your holy mountain? And David HaMelech goes on to say, who can live in your tent? Who can live on your holy mountain? And he goes on to say a list of things that is necessary for someone to live in your house, to be close to you. tamim, a person who goes with sincerity. Poyel tzedek, someone who does righteousness. And he goes through a whole list. That is, and there's 11 things that he mentions. He mentions 11 virtues. Ba Yeshaya, and then Yeshaya comes. Is the front door open? I think so. You came from the front, yeah? Okay. Bo Yeshaya, Yeshaya came. Let me just make sure that that's not where I leave it. Bo Yeshaya, Yeshaya comes. Then Yeshaya came, and Yeshaya said 11 things. It's a little too much. That too is a little too much. I'm going to establish it just on six. He summarizes all of Yiddishkeit to six principles. So they're all they're all minimum. They're all they're all um, lessening. Shem gives us six hundred and thirteen mitzvahs. That was good for the first thousand years from the giving of the Torah until King David. People were able to handle six thirteen. David Melech reduces this to eleven. Yeshaya says, "I'm going to reduce it even further to six. Bochavakuk. Chavaku Kanavi, and he says, six, too much. I'm reducing it to one. One thing. Tzadik in his amuna he will live. All you need is amuna. It's amuna. It's all, it all boils down to amuna. That was Chavakuk. He boils it, Chavakuk. He boils it down to one thing. Pirish Rashi. So what does this mean? Rashi says, Lefishet David. King David saw that the generations have become what we call Yeridas Adairis. The generation has become lessened. We don't have any more the wide spiritual capacity. And people have a hard time fulfilling the 613 commandments. He reduces it to 11. Everybody jumps on Rashi. Everybody says, well, What's going on here? How can you say, I, <laughs> What's that? There? He was doing a, re a reformation? He was the Chas a reform movement over here. He said that, you know what, we can't do 613, let's just keep a few. How can you do that? The Torah is Nitzchiyist. The Torah is eternal. 
And we say, the Torah can never be exchanged. Torah is eternal. If you can't add, then you can't even diminish. You can't even eliminate one letter. And even a Navi, even if someone is a prophet, is not allowed to um, um, be, be innovate, innovate one thing in the Torah. He can tell you that I, I have a mitzvah to do one time, or we should do this for this year. But he cannot say, I'm adding a new mitzvah to the Torah. Can't do that, forever. Even a Navi. So, and how can David HaMelech come and reduce it to six? And he brings it down, not to six, to eleven. Because the generations have become lessened, therefore what? You can't do it. Break your head. Figure it out. The Yeshaz Harbi Perushim. And there are many explanations how to explain this Rashi. Ahapirusha Miti, the real explanation is Loisha Akar Sharha Mitzvis. It's not the Davidamela Khasfashalam uprooted the other mitzvis. Raka Pirishu, the meaning is Shamidan Alachas Esrei. He established it on eleven. But he said like this: if you're gonna try to do six thirteen, it's gonna be too much for you. So you know what? Work on eleven. If you get these eleven down pat, the rest of Yiddishkeit is going to come naturally to you. Let's work on these 11 things. And if you, these, are, these are 11 things that if you carve them out in you because you're working hard on them and you make them like sort of into your habit, into your character, then naturally you're going to be able to do all the other mitzvahs because they're all going to fall, they're all going to flow, they're all going to fall, they're all going to fall into sync with you automatically because these 11 things are the foundation, these 11 attitudes are the foundation for the performance of all the other mitzvahs. So it doesn't mean you don't have to keep everything. He says focus on 11 instead of focusing on 13. Focus on these two things and you'll get it all right. Um, he based it on these 11 things. Through doing these 11, it's easy to do the rest of the mitzvahs. Like in a business, for instance, there are people in business that they're doing a billion things and they don't get anything done. And they say, you go to a business um, time management or business kind of a class, and it's not that they teach you you don't have to do the, all the billion things. You have to do the all the billion But they teach you how to focus on a few major principles and how you learn how to discipline yourself and how to organize yourself, and then all the million things happen automatically because you, you, you systemize it. And that's what David HaMelech did. He systemized all of the Torah into 11 principles that when you're doing these things, everything else is going to get fall into place. That's what he means, the Hamidon. He fortified it. He fortified all of Yiddishkeit on these 11. Where do we find something like that? Something like that is also, it says in the Pasuk, it says, now we turn over the page. You saw the backside. What is God is asking of you? That Hashem is only asking you to fear Him. The this seems to imply it implies that God is only asking for fear. That's it. And afterwards Hashem gives you a whole shopping list. To go in His ways, to do this, to do that, to cleave, to give a whole list. So it's unfair. Hashem is sort of leading us on. He's making believe that, come listen, all I'm asking for you is for one thing. And we come in and we listen, and then He closed the door, and He tells us, I have like 20 things that I want you to do. That's not fair. The answer is that what Hashem is saying, all I'm asking is, you, all you got to work on is on this one thing. If you, if you get to fear Hashem, 
then everything else is going to follow. So, um, to go in his way, to keep his mitzvahs, and his rules, all the days. Now, what does that mean? That the request is only fear. And one has fear of Hashem, so automatically will come after that, you will go in his ways, you will do whatever. Because once there is fear, there's mitzvahs, a person can fulfill all the mitzvahs. By David, we also find that he makes such a, he does the same thing with Hashem. David the One thing I'm asking of you, God. I'm only asking for one thing. Shifti Hashem. I should sit in the house of Hashem. All the days of my life. Please, God, let me sit in your house all the day. Then he goes on, and he says, Hashem, to gaze at the pleasantness of God, and to come visit in his chamber, or whatever. So He's also asking for quite a few things. Hashem says to David, I don't get you. You say, you're going to ask me one quest, one request, and then you give me a whole list. That's not right. People do that. They ask you, do you have one minute to talk? Then they keep you for, for 20 minutes. They only ask for one minute. But then they, all right. So that's not fear. If you want 20 minutes, you have to say, when well, you have 20 minutes, you can't ask for one minute and then take 20. So the same is over here. You said you want to ask only one thing. And then you're asking for a whole, for a whole bunch of things. David says, hey, I had a good teacher. I learned from you. You did the same thing. You also say, what am I asking from you? Only to fear me. And then you go ahead and you ask a bunch more things. So you did that, I do the same. So what is David the Melech playing with God? What he's really doing is, he's saying to Hashem, just like when you say I only ask for something for one thing and then you give us a whole list of what you're asking for what you really mean is when we work on that one thing everything else will naturally follow the other things will come automatically so the same is also by me it's also the same thing I'm asking for one thing let me sit in the house of God all the days of my life if I do that then of course I'm going to be able to gaze at the pleasantness of Hashem. If you're sitting in the house of Hashem, you will gaze as His as His planet, as His at His as the and the noyam the sweetness of Hashem, and so on and so forth. All the other things that He mentions are all natural derivatives and natural outcome from sitting in the house of Hashem. So you said you're asking You said go in all your ways. David the Melech's request was also like the above. When he asked, he asked a general thing. And when you, God, you will fulfill this one request. That I will sit in the house of Hashem. So then automatically, Then the other things will also be fulfilled. To sit in the, in the, in the, in the pleasantness of Hashem or in the sweetness of Hashem or to gaze at the pleasantness of Hashem and to come visit him in his Beis HaMikdosh, in his chamber. And this is the same idea. So just like we have this idea, that you see that by doing one thing, the others will follow. So the same is also over here. When David HaMelech took all of Yiddishkeit and boiled it down to 11 principles, it doesn't mean only do that. It means by doing that, everything else will be much easier. Shemidah, Allah has Esrei, that he established them on 11. Sha'achas Esrei, Eloi, Hu Mitzvah Klolis. 
These are all just a general mitzvah. Through them, we'll be able to do all the mitzvahs. And this is what Rashi means. Because the generations became lessened. And it's difficult to fulfill all the 613. That's why he breaks it down to 11. Shall Yadam through these eleven ye benekalakaimasa mitzvahs be easy to fulfill all the mitzvahs. Avaloi, but it doesn't mean Sha'akar Khasvishalam that he uprooted, God forbid, mitzvahs achas minatora, one mitzvah from the Torah. He didn't do that. Well the Havin Inyan Zah, so to understand this idea, Mahua Mailo Shal Klalis, to understand this idea, what is the quality of general things? That there are certain things that are called general and and they're more important than details. And when you keep the general then the details fall along automatically. So to understand that idea, so that's the same concept that we have over here. The marriage of Yitzchak and Rivka is the generality of all of Torah. And then all the rest of Yiddishkeit are all details of this. To understand the quality of, of the general, general ideas. By, by this, then there are generality things. Through this, it becomes easier to fulfill the rest of the mitzvahs Yashlevar, we can explain this by first understanding Inyan Parshasa Shal Eliezer. We'll understand it first by looking into examining the Parsha of Eliezer, Eved Avram, the servant of Avram. Shenemar, it says by Eliezer, I am standing by the spring of water, and the girl that I will say to her, please tilt your jug, and I will drink, and she will say, she say, drink. And then also for your camels, I will drink. This is the one that you have proven. This is the one that you have clarified that this is the right wife for Yitzchak. Now the Torah speaks at great length. In this parsha, the Torah has a lengthy discussion. The parsha has been doubled. In Medrash Rabbit says, Here we see how cherished and how special is the talk of the servants of the fathers. Mitairas and Shalbanim, even more precious than the Torah of the children. A lot of the main, very fundamentals of Torah were only given with little tiny hints, little nuances, little hints. Hashem is just alluding to it. Shaharei, and he gives the example. Dam Hasheretz, the blood of a Sheretz. Sheretz is a non kosher insect, an insect that, that brings tumma, a mouse. So the Allah is that the, that the question is, is uh, the, the law is that the blood of a dead insect does not have the same defilement tumma like the flesh of the dead insect, like the body of it. The dead animal, and if the blood of it is spilled somewhere, it doesn't contact tumma. Uh, I don't know if completely no tumma, but not in the same way like the insect itself. How do we know that? Usually by many things, the blood is considered like the flesh. How come over here it's not? So we learned it out from one extra vav. It says, and these are the ones that are tame. The extra vav from the vizelochem, and these. The church just said, zelochem, these are the ones that are tame. What's the vize and these are the ones? That comes to teach you that only these, only the flesh, but not the blood. It's extra. That the blood of it is not like the flesh of it. Now that's a very important thing to know because this could be a problem when you're dealing. And nowadays we're not so 
we don't have so much the issue of Tumat Tahara because we're all Tameh and we don't treat things with the, with the laws of purity. But once the Beis Amigdash is standing and we're eating holy stuff from the Beis Amigdash and we go to the Beis Amigdash, we better become very familiar, familiar with these laws. And then it's like a major idea. If an animal, a mouse was killed, oh, I have it over here in Manus Row. We had a rat in the wall for a long time and he was kept on coming out and eating every day. He had a dinner over here every day. He was our visitor for three years. And then finally, we managed to the trap. We, in the, it, was a, it was a sight. It's, it's, amazing, lady, it's, a, it's, a, it's a miracle that there weren't ladies in the, in, the, in the building at that time. Because we walked into the kitchen and we're having a conversation and there's this rat hanging from the ledge, dead like down, all the way down. The tail was almost touching like, all the way down. Like that. So we took him out and we threw him out. It was a whole job. Uh, but he left two blood stains up there. So uh, don't go look. Okay, yeah. So in that... So that's a blood of a thing. Does that bring defilement? Doesn't bring defilement. You have to know, right? So, so th this is an important halacha that has, has ramifications in the life of the Jewish practice and Jewish experience forever. Because even after Mashiach comes, there might still be rats, and rats might still die, and they might bring a defilement. So then the question then is, um, what's it called? And, but yet the Torah only speaks, speaks about it and, and teaches you that whole law from an extra vav. And yet, this whole story of Eliezer that seems to be so unimportant, to the repetition of it, that he's telling the family what happened, and yet the Torah is spending like 10 psukim extra. Seven, eight psukim, I'm not exactly sure how many psukim, maybe even more, maybe even more than 10 psukim. The Torah is repeating the story in the long run. So the Hilchpul the Parsha says, Shnayim gimel dafim. Two or three daf of the Torah pages. That's what the Medr says. So Yeshla Havans at BMS. We talk us and then we so you see that they're special. That since that the servants of the fathers are so special. But why talk is this? What is the real meaning? Why is the parsha being repeated? And the Pasik is speaking at it of great length. The idea is the Hinayamarazal, the sages say, on three things the world stands. Torah. The world has three pillars that keep the world standing. Allah Torah on the Torah of Allah Voda and on the service of sacrifices, the Al Gemilas Chasadim and on acts of kindness, which is tzedakah and the like. Vehine Gimel Avos. Now these are the three pillars, and that's each one was personified through um, one of the Avos. Vehine Gimel Avos who connected Gimel Dvarim Elo. Our three fathers correspond to these three things. Avram who connected Gimelas Chasadim. Avram corresponds. To Gimilas Chasadim, that was his main avoda, was to do kindness. Ki Avram Chesed. Avram was a kind being in Mabriyos. He was always doing kindness with people. as it says, we learned about this last week. Vayita Eishel Sheva, that Avram planted in Eishel. Hashem Kel Olam, and he called out in the name of God, the God of the world. Eishel, what is an Eishel? Chadam Pundik. Some say it was a hotel in which he fed people that would come. It was a free hotel. And some say it was an orchard in which he gave people to eat and, and had a, a comfortable place for people to rest. Gam Eishel, also the word Eishel, Rosh stands for an acronym, Achila Shtia Levia, eating, drinking, and accompanying them. Not only did he feed people, but every time a person was leaving, he would walk them out. He gave to eat everybody. He was a very big Baal Chesed. This was his physical type of kindness. But Avram was also a, a, a gomel chesed, beruchnius, 
as it says, I think, um, in um, Sefer Haboyer, that Avram Avinu was, no, not in Sefer Haboyer, this is brought from Orches Tzadikim. This is one of the only places I know in Chasidus and where they quote the Sefer Orches Tzadikim, the ways of the righteous, which is a Musar Sefer. And in that Sefer, they bring that Adam, that, uh, that Avram Avinu was a Nodiv, he was a gracious person, Begufai with his body, he did Chesed with his body, Bimamoinoi with his money, he did kindness, we gave a lot of tzedakah and helped people out and fed people. And also benafshoi, with his soul. He was kind people, he shared his soul with everybody. The light of his soul, he enlightened people, he taught people. That's what he's saying in Ruchni's He called out on the name of God, that's a kindness. He could have said, why do I care where everybody is in the dark? Let them go to whatever. He could have said that. You know, but he didn't do that. He would try as much hard as he can to, to, to bring people to the true faith and Amunah, to take them away from there. So what was that's the biggest kindness you can do to someone and put them in the right path. He drew down godliness down here below. And he also got people used to, like the Balshem Tov. Avram is very similar to the Balshem Tov in many ways. He got people accustomed to say, Baruch Hashem, thank God. He put God's name in the mouth of everybody. As it says this week in the parasha, that Avram said that until I came around the block in the neighborhood, God was only the God of the heavens. But now that I came around, Hashem is the God of heaven and the God of earth, because people on earth acknowledge Him. Now doing something like that, teaching, inspiring, this too is a kindness. Now Yaakov is the pillar of Torah. That's why it says about Yaakov that he's an Ishtam Yoshev Aholim. He's a complete person sitting in the tents. He sat and learned Torah all the time. As it also says in another passik, that Hashem has established the testimony which is the Torah. In Yaakov, and Torah, he has stationed or put in Yisrael, into Yisrael, which is, uh, which is Yaakov. So that's Yaakov. And Yitzchak serves God with Avoda. Avoda means sacrifices, and Avoda also means prayer. Yitzchak's main Avoda was the Avoda of Davening. Yitzchak goes out to Daven in the field. Yitzhak is davening. And also he sacrifices to the point where he himself was a sacrifice. That's how much he represents karbonis, that he himself was a karbon. Ki avoidu, b'chenas avoidus ha-karbonis. Avoidus, avoidus ha-karbonis. V'hinei makor v'shoyresh ha-karbonis, or Yitzhak. The root and the source of all sacrifices is Yitzhak. Yitzhak is the root of every karbon. Shaharei, for because Yitzhak atzmoi haya karbon. Yitzchak himself is a karbon. They offered him as an oilah. They put him on the altar. Offered him as a karbon. And this was the shlichus of Eliezer. When Eliezer went to bring Rivka to be a wife to Yitzchak, what he was really doing was the same dynamics of a karbon. This is really awesome. Yitzchak is offered up as a karbon, and then when they're bringing Rivka to him, that's also offering a sacrifice. <gasps> that, that sounds terrible. Getting married is offering, the, the woman is being offered as a sacrifice? Geval. Chas v'shalom. That's not what it means. What it means over here is that the same dynamics of something being elevated from a lowly state, from a dark place, an animal, from, coming from a broken consciousness into a rectified state, because the animal is elevated into into Kedusha, 
when the animal joins the fire on the Mizbeach and it becomes part of the divine, part of the godly, that same thing is in the marriage of Yitzchak and Rivka. Rivka is a spark of holiness stuck in a very dark place. And what Eliezer went to do was the extraction. He extracted her, plucked her holy soul, like a rose amongst the thorns. He plucked her from the thorns and he brought her up to be united with Yitzchak. It's just the same idea of a karban. It's a similar to the idea of carbon. The Indian who why is this a carbon? First, we need to understand Indian carbonis. What is the idea of sacrifices? We take a physical animal and we offer it on the Mizbeach. The Indian who the idea What are we doing? We're not just butchering animals and we're not just spilling blood and guts and throwing him around. That's not what's happening. A human being, for instance, has three partners, a father and a mother, they're partners in the creation of a child, and then God is a third partner. Why? Because Hashem plants the soul. The father and mother can create the body, but they can't create the soul. The soul, you need Hashem to do. Hashem comes in, and He puts the soul in. So just like it is in a human being, there are three partners, an animal, he says, also has a spiritual side to it. There's the physical animal. So to the animal, the three partners in the animal. An animal, for the animal to be, to be born, it's a father, a mother, born from a mother. A mother becomes impregnated by a male, so that's the father. And then ultimately, who's involved over there? God too. God has to put the spirit into the animal. Hold on. One second. But there's a difference. It's God who puts the soul in. As it says, Hashem blows into his nose. Because the Nisham is a piece of God from above. Only a Nisham is a piece of Hashem from above. But by an animal, an animal is not a piece of Hashem. An animal has a spirit that comes from a spiritual world that comes from angelic beings. From Allahim. The nefesh of the animal is rooted in the angels, but it's not God. The nefesh of the human is rooted in Hashem. The nefesh of the animals is Mash'en came the behema by the behema, Hanashama Shaba, the soul that's in the animal, who Mibchinas is coming from the chariot. It's coming from angels, but the, the quintessential origins of it, where does it really trace itself back? To the chariot of Hashem, which the chariot we know has four beasts in it: face of a lion, face of an ox, face of an eagle face of a human. So the face of the ox is the source of all behemoths, of all domestic animals. The face of the ox that's in the, that's in the divine chariot. You do as it is known, that the beasts of the chariot, they are the root and they are the source. All the creations that are below. The face of the lion, because he beholds an image, he sees a chariot and God is on the chariot. And he sees four animals that they're they're like the ones who are who are rolling the chariot. They're pulling the chariot. So the lion is, of course, it's a metaphor. It's a it's a it's a malach. It's a powerful angel, and from that malach is a source of all the other angels. And all and it's a, and ultimately, as those angels come manifest from world to world, from world to world, they they materialize down here in physical in physical lions and physical gorillas and all other animals. Right? Hippos and giraffes and whatever else. From the face of the ox comes an energy that creates other lower, lesser angels, lesser malachim. 
and lesser angels. And finally, 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 after a very long progression of chain-like progression of many, many different, different worlds, that energy materializes in physical, in the spirit, not in the physical body, but in the spirit of the of a physical behema, of a physical cow or sheep, um, um, goat or whatever. The face of the lion is a source of all the wild beasts. Pnei in the face of the ox. Mekar kala behemoth is the root of all the non, of, 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 the, of domestic animals. Pnei nasher in the face of the eagle. Mekar kala is the root of all birds. Ela shah behemoth v'chayah shalamata hemagashmiya. But why are they physical? What happens? Over there they're angels. How do they, how do they become so physical? And that's because mepnei shahemashmarim. They're like from the dregs. You got angels creating other angels, and they create other angels and other angels, and each one is passing on its its dregs to the next level, its leftovers. And finally, 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 the spiritual angels that are closest to the physical drop their leftovers, and this is like the left the dregs of the dregs of the dregs of the dregs that go into becoming the physical beasts of this world. This is like the leftovers from all the worlds, the chayashalamayla of the spiritual beasts above. Now what are you doing when you're offering a karban? When you're offering a karban, what you're doing is you're reattaching this broken piece, this lost animal that fell down. We understand that the animal, once it comes into a, a material beast, it's in a very, very pathetic state because it's been lost from where it really is. When it was in heaven, it was very close to God. And these animals are holy angels that sing, they glow in the dark. They're, 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 they're like lighting, they're lighting up the universe with great light because they're, 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 so, they're, 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 they're so connected to Hashem. And then when it comes down over here, the animal is an animal. What does an animal know? It has no relationship with God whatsoever because it has no consciousness of God at all. An animal is living in dark consciousness, completely in itself, that's it. Doesn't, so therefore, so when you're actually taking an animal and you're bringing it to the base of Migdash and offering it as a korban, you're redeeming the soul of the animal for the physical entrapment and you're allowing that soul of that animal to ascend into a higher place. And suddenly the animal is like, whoa, it's enlightened. It's amazing. It's the same. Do you know that when the animal leaves the body, it still retains its same consciousness as an animal. But as it goes over, it suddenly starts experiencing the same passion it had to earthy things, it suddenly starts feeling that passion to God. And the animal is in a blissful state. Think about it. When a carbon is brought to the Mizbeach, the animal leaves the body, it slips out of the body, and it suddenly starts experiencing a bliss. And then it goes higher and it becomes even more blissful, and more intense, and more intense, and more intense, and more intense, as it's reaching for, higher, for a higher connection to God. It's a very powerful thing. But it's really a liberation, that's what people don't realize. When they're offered the animal, it is refined, and it is purified, the life force, Shabbat, that's in the animal, it rises up into its root. It goes to rejoin the face of the ox that's in the chariot. Look in that mind. And here he says a very interesting thing. It appears to hear, he says, now, uh, here's, here's the question he's asking. Where, when does it go up into the fire above? So you would think, I'm giving the whole time the example, because when you shech the animal, the soul leaves, and the soul goes up to join. That's maybe true. But there's something else that's happening. The main carbon is not the soul. The main carbon is when you shech the animal, then you take the, the meat, the flesh, 
and you burn it on the Mizbeach. And when it gets burnt under the Mizbeach, it joins, it becomes the fire. And the fire, and the fire on the Mizbeach was in the image of a lion, which means it actually, the flesh of the animal becomes assimilated, integrated, absorbed, and one with the, with, with the lion above, with the supernal lion. So, it's, so we're not talking about the soul of the animal. We're talking about the physical flesh of the animal. So therefore he says, you have to say, that the, when we say that the animal down here below is receiving a soul from the, from the, from the, from the chariot above, from the, from the supernal uh, uh, beasts above, angels above, it's not only the soul of the cow, but it's also the energy that's in the flesh of the cow. In other words, the chayos, see there's two types of chayos, there's two types of energy in a, in a person. One type of energy is your soul. But there's another kind of an energy. There's another kind of an energy. When the soul leaves the body, the body doesn't disappear. The body hangs around for a while. Eventually the body decays. But the body still remains intact. That means that the body has an energy of its own. The same as with a cow. Even when, the, when a cow dies, the soul of the cow leaves, but the, the carcass is still there. That means there's energy there. That energy is also coming from the face of the ox, from the level of the ox. How do we know that? Because that's the part that you burn on the Mizbeach, and that's what we're saying, why are you burning it? Because you want it to rejoin where it came from. So you see that that's where it came from. You're basically putting the piece back into the puzzle. It fell down. This is called, this is called a broken vessel. When the animal, when the face of the ox above falls down and becomes a, 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 a cow down here below, that's called a shvirasakelem, a shattering of the vessels. Because how can you compare a, a cow to an angel above that's holy, holy, holy? How can, a cow that's going moo, moo, how can you compare that to an angel that's going moo, moo to God? It's a whole different uh, thing. So that's called a broken piece. So it's like putting the piece back into the puzzle. But where do you want to put the piece? When you're making a puzzle, where do you want to put the piece? You want to put the piece back in the place where it belongs. That's why you're always busy, busy with a puzzle. You put the piece, nah, it's not the right one. You put it. And then you, when, you make, when you make a puzzle, this always happens. Then you pick up that piece like 30 times and you try to put it there. And then you have to tell you, it doesn't belong here. I tried it already. But that's the way it is. You want to finish the puzzle, keep on putting it back. But it doesn't belong. So you have to put the piece where it belongs. If we take this, the carcass, the meat, the flesh of the, of the cow and we put it on the mezbeach, it means that you're putting it back and you're doing a tikkun, it means you're putting it back where it belongs, it means it must come from there. So Khan, that's what he's explaining over here. From here it appears, the gam chayas aguf that also the chayas, the life force of the body of the behema, humat meishor, that too comes from the ox. The e f we cannot say da kavanu al chayas anefeshabo. You can't say we're talking only about the chayas anefesh. Shaharei, skip the tiny bit of it. Shaharei achayas yoytzem abehema. Because that, the soul departed the animal. Departed from the animal. Mishanishchata. As soon as you shechted it, the soul ran away. Venishera kista de chiyusa. Only what's left over is a tiny bit of life. Umasha oilo venichlo be'eshalamayla. And that which goes. Um, and becomes absorbed in the fire above, when you're burning it on the altar, is the life force of the body. Which we know that all physicality comes from the broken 
pieces of the world of Tayo. The world of Tayo was a world in where there was a collapse and spiritual energies and spiritual powers fell down. And this is the idea that we always speak of. Let's say, what happens if you're not taking an animal and shechting it for a korban? If we're not shechting an animal. So was this, was this a job of elevating things back to their source? Was this only accomplished in the Beis HaMikdash? And for the last 2,000 years we're not doing it? No, the, answer, the sages say that our days when there's no Mizbeach, Shulchan on the table of a person, Mechaper, acts instead of the Mizbeach. Your table where you eat. Not where you daven, where you eat. Because eating is the same exercise. Because when you're eating, you're accessing the spark. You're taking, you're, you're going, you're, you're getting the energy from the food. And then you use that energy to serve God. So you're replacing this lost energy and you're putting it back. You're re, reinserting it in the source where it came from. Right? So, but here too, you're not eating the soul of the animal. When you're eating uh, uh, chicken or you're eating steak, you're not eating the soul of the animal. Quite on the contrary, you're not allowed to eat the soul. Because you're not allowed to eat the blood. The, blood is, the, the soul is in the blood. You're not allowed to eat that. You're only allowed to eat the flesh. So what do you see from here? That when we say that there's a fallen spark and it has to be restored to its source, the spark is not only the spark of the soul, but we're talking about the spark that's in the body, in the physicality of it. That has come from the shattered vessels, and that is what we have to put back when we eat. And the same is also on the Mizbeach when we offer a sacrifice. This is the idea of the word of God, what came out of God's mouth that's in the, that's in the food. Which we know that once we restore it back to its source, once we take the spark and we put it back to where it, where it, where it, where it belongs, that, and now, that, now the cow is higher than the human being. First, At first the human being is higher than the cow because you need to rectify the cow. The cow can't rectify itself because you have a soul. You have, we, we human beings have a soul. So therefore we have a rectified, a clean, a true awareness. We can be aware of God. The animal can't be aware of God. When we eat the animal and use its energy for a mitzvah or for good things, we're taking that energy, restoring it back. But once we elevate the cow back to its source, now the cow is higher than us. Why? Because the source of physicality, the source of these sparks of holiness that have fallen, is from a higher world than the source of the human soul. We spoke about this many times because the source of the human soul is from the world of Tikkun and the source of the animals from the world of Tayu. And the difference between Tayu and Tikkun is that in Tayu there was very intense energy and the, and the, and the vessels couldn't, couldn't handle it, so it exploded. Then Hashem reduced the energy and He made the world of Tikkun. So the world of Tikkun, it's not a broken world, it's not shattered, so that's, a, that, that's its advantage. Its disadvantage is that it's lacking the, pow- the potency and the power which comes from the world of Tayyip. So, um, so that's the way it is. That the human... Okay. And according to this, we have to say, So we have to say that the energy that's in the body of the animal is also from the ox, and that's why we're returning it when we're offering a korban. Now what does this all mean? What are we doing with sparks? And what does it mean when we're offering a korban we're restoring something to its source. No, he wants to explain. He can explain now a very interesting idea. We're saying that these sparks fell from where? They fell from the world of Tayo, from the chaotic world. Then we're saying when we're, we are restoring it, where are we restoring it to? We're restoring it to the chariot, 
to the chariot of God. The chariot of God, what does that have to do with the world of Taiyu? But let me explain where Taiyu is. If, if, you, if you map out the map of creation, if you make a map of the map of creation, the way it works is like this. Even before the world of Atsilos, even before worlds are made, when God emanates his initial light to create the world, he's emanating, right? Adam Kadmon, it's primordial man. And then he comes suddenly to a world called Olam Hanikudim. And that's the world of Tayo. That's higher even than Keser. And in that realm, in that stage of whatever, is where the shattering of the vessels take place. Where there's some kind of a breakage that's taking place in the godly flow, or the life force. Hashem does it intentionally because God wants to create a world that is challenged. A world that has to struggle with its own identity. A world that is disconnected. In order for that to happen, if God would allow the energy to flow uninterrupted, stage by stage by stage at stage, it would result in a world that is conscious of God. You would never get to a world that is disconnected. The only way to get to the disconnected state is to cause this interruption. And the interruption is the shattering of Tayyip. Okay, then after that, you have this explosion, you have this energy flying all over the place, then God reconstructs new vessels, he diminishes the light, lowers the voltage dramatically, makes broader vessels called Olamatikun. That's Olamatsilus. And then from Atsilus, he diminishes the light and begins to creates the first world, the first world, which is called Olamabriya, the world of creation. Then the energy evolves into the next world called Olamayatsira. And finally, the energy evolves into the final world, and, and it, God creates the physical world. It's called Olamasi. Now, where is the divine chariot? that we spoke about earlier, where you have the ox and the lion and all those, where is this? In this, in this, in the system of worlds that we just spoke about, which, which the lowest is Asiya, above it is Yetzirah, above it is Bria, above it is Hatzilas, and Keser, Erechamp, or whatever. Above that is Olamatov, right? And above, and above whatever, Oren Soif, whatever you're going on. But where is the shadow, where, where is the Merkava? No, the Merkava is not that. The Merkava is in Olamabriya. The Merkava is the first existence, the first creature in Olam Abriya. Malchus, what's the Merkava? The Merkava is a chariot for the king. Who is the king? The king is the last of the ten sefirot of Atsilas. You have ten sefirot, Malchus is the king. And the king rides on a chariot. So Malchus is riding on the next world, who are, who are the ones that are the chariot. Malchus descends down on a chair, and then there's the chariot that's holding the chair. And who are they? Those are the malachim. And now we're saying that what? So now we have to really clarify this. If we're saying that the shattered sparks are coming from Olamatoyu, so we have to bring them back to Olamato. What does it mean that we have to bring them back to the chariot? What's the chariot doing there? The chariot is much lower. The chariot is in a completely different place. To resolve that, he's, going to explain, he's coming to explain what he's saying over here. Look what he says over here. Here we go. The Inyan Yeshloimar, and the idea we can say is like this. The Hina Yeduot is known. The Shivreya Kalim, the shattered vessels, the Tayu, Naflu B'Makoim Oilam Abriya. What happened is when they collapsed, they fell. And where did they gather? Where did the debris, where did the, 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 the debris from that broken world, where did it fall? In which place? Where did it gather? It accumulated in the world of Bria. 
That means, what does that mean? Let me explain what that means. How, how does that work? So there is this energy, and the energy that, that, that scattered, we'll soon explain a little bit better what this energy is, okay? So you have this energy that's floating, and there's no world yet, because nothing has been created. Then Hashem goes and he, he, he harnesses the light, harnesses the energy, and, and diminishes its energy. But he takes, what he does, he takes from the shattered, these sparks that are flying all over the place, these pieces of these vessels, so to speak, that are flying all over the place, and the purest of the purest of the purest of it, of this, he's able to, that which is extremely pure of it, the highest potential of them becomes the vessels of Atsilas, of the spheres of Atsilas. And then God unifies with those sephirot, and they're complete, and, 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 and th- those spheros are completely rectified. They're, they're, they're Hashem. Oh, there's no, they're not broken anymore. Meaning, the, the best of the best, the prime of these sparks, the inner, inner dimension of these, it's like when you, you know what it's similar? It's similar when everything is in the physical. When you go gold mining, you take out a piece of gold, so the miner is going to look, first he's going to look around, he's going to find the purest piece, he's going to take that out. It's pure gold, you can see. I need a little polishing, but it's mainly pure. But then he's going to go back to the, to, the, to, the, to, the, to the chunk of earth where the gold was, and he's going to dig around a little more. He's going to find another piece. It's, it's, it's also gold. He'll take that out. But it's not as pure as the first gold. It's not the same grade. And then he will take out more. And then he'll gribble in the real dark. He'll, 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 and he'll find even darker pieces. But they also have gold little potential. So that's the same thing that Hashem does. He goes to these broken sh- vessels, and he takes the purest of the pure and he creates the vessels of Atsilas. They're purified. And what happens to that which is not purifiable, that cannot make it into, that are not as refined to be able to be in the Atsilas state, unified with God, they drop down to the next world called Olam Habriya. And, oh, this is called grade B. God takes what's, what's, what is it's not grade A anymore, refined, refined, refined sparks, refined debris. It's no more. You can't bring it into Atsilas. But God creates a lower world. Now this is already a world that is, even when it's at its finest, it's still a little disconnected. It's not completely pure, pure, pure. Because if it would be pure, 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 it would be, in, it would be acknowledging that there's nothing but God. In, in pure, pure consciousness, there's nothing but God. The only way you can be conscious of yourself is if you have a little bit of blurriness. You have to have a little static. You can't hear things clearly. You can't see things clearly. It's blurry. It's foggy. So even though the Ebershter takes selects the best and he creates a beautiful, magnificent world, but there are a world. There are no more God. It's something other than God. And that's called Olam Abriya. And the first highest primal creatures in this world of the grade B rectification, that's the Merkava. That's the Merkava. And the Merkava, they're like really pure, pure angels. But since they haven't made it into Atsilas, since they haven't made it into an absolute union with God, they're still a little bit on the outside, they are considered the source of dark things. Even though they're very holy and they're very clean. But because there is still a little detachment in their consciousness, eventually what will come out of them Things that are totally detached. It's like the moment you, when you're traveling, the moment you didn't, you weren't careful with the GPS exactly, and you moved into the lane, and you're supposed to go to 405 north, and you're going 405 south, 
Even if you only went a little bit on the, off the divider, you're really, really very close, and the GPS still thinks you're on the right lane because it's so close. But you're already going to, to San Diego instead of San Francisco. Because as you're moving apart, you're moving apart, eventually it will part, 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 part in a complete different direction. So that's why we say like this. The root of the, sh of the sparks of holiness that... Oh, oh, let me add one more thing. Whatever doesn't make it into the world of Bria falls down lower and goes into the, it goes into the world of Yetzirah. And God selects the best of the best and makes them holy angels of the world of Yetzirah. They're not as holy and they're not as devoted and they're not as dedicated and they're not as unified with God as the creatures from Olam Abriya. What is the last of the last that has not been rectified anywhere falls in and becomes the junk of this world, which is whatever is here in our world. And this is what we have to deal with. And God says, this last pieces, this is where I want you to clean up. I cleaned up everything. I took... I took to hear the easy stuff. For you guys, I give the hard stuff. I'm giving you the real dregs to deal with. I want you to find the good potential over here and make something godly out of this. Oh, but why do we say that our sparks, so an animal, for instance, which is a broken spark from the world, we say that its root is in the Pnei Shor, in the face of the ox. We don't say its root is in Atzilus, because technically you can really say, what's its real root? Its real root is Olamato. Okay, but what was its next station? where the rectification began, in Atzilus. And then from Atzilus it went into Bria. And then from Bria. So why are we identifying the source of these sparks in Olama Bria, in the chariot, why don't we identify them and put them all the way back in the source in Olama Toyu? Or more than that, why don't we, Toyu we do say, why don't we say that it's part of Atzilus, of the spheres, it's the dregs of the spheres, of Atzilus. The answer is, Atzilus and these broken elements don't have any relationship to each other. Because Atzilus is completely rectified. It's completely unified with God. And something that is completely unified has no relationship that something that's living in the dark. Atzilus is not considered the source of the mistake. Because Atzilus has no mistake. But in Bria, even these holy angels that are glowing with light and crying holy, 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 holy all day long. That's all they're doing. They're spinning and they're turning with godly excitement. Yes, they are the source. They support all the bad guys. Why? Because when they say holy, 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 they feel that I am saying holy, 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 holy. There was a little bit of I over there, a little bit of disconnect. And that little tiny, minute, minute ego, that little bit of self, can lead to huge, to big inflated ego. And that's why we say that they are the source. So that's why they are, they're considered already the, the mother, what you say, the mother of all animals is the Pnei Shar, because they're, 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 they're rooted there. Now we understand, if you take a physical object, an animal, and you bring it back to the consciousness of an angel, especially the angels that are part of the chariot, you have redeemed this creature from darkness and you've put it into a place of magnificent light, a magnificent holiness. You, you've, you've done a huge job. But still, we're saying that these two have a relationship because this can be a source for that, for that, for the, for that state. The, the ox is a source for the animal because there is some element of disconnect even in the ox. So that's what he's just going to explain over here. Look over here. The Inyan Yeshloim, the idea can be explained as follows. The Inyan Yedua is known, the Shivrei Akelim, the shattered vessels, the Toyu. 
of the world of Tayyunaflubamakamabriya. They fell into the place, into the space of the world of Bria. Umemashan is Baramehem, and that which became refined from them, Nishavu Chayasamarkava. The best of the best, they produced the 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 beasts of the chariot, the Bria of the world of Bria. The Hapsoles, and that which is too dense, too too thick, too too to, yeah, that they cannot be brought into the fineness of Olam Abriya, Naflu Olam That becomes the energy of the next world, of the world of Yetzirah. Va'apsolas the Yetzirah, and that which cannot be put into the world of Yetzirah, into the holy, that can't be redeemed, Naflu Basia, fell down into the world of Asiya, and it becomes our very, very distorted world. This is how the creations below have been created. Ulamata, and then below, and over here is what we do. We begin the process of picking things back up from it all the way down and sending them all the way back up. In other words, initially God is rectifying it the other way around. You see what God is doing? When God is doing the bearer, He is taking first the best, and then He's taking the next best. See, that's called a refinement from up down. You're going from a higher place to lower, lower, lower. When we refine it, we're doing the opposite. When we refine something, we first take out the dirtiest thing of something. The real ugly, we reject completely. Then, what do we do? We find the pure. Then within that which was pure, we say, oh, this is not pure enough, so we push away even that appeal. And we push away that appeal. And then, for instance, let's say in our own lives, we pray. And let's say we, 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 we pray and we feel like we're close to God. And we feel so good about ourselves. We prayed and we got close. Then when you learn a little more, Hasidus, and you purify your mind, and you get a little bit of a pure, refined consciousness, you realize that, that your prayer of yesterday is, is not considered prayer. Because it's so full, you were so full of yourself. So as you, get a little, you find that you need a more refined prayer. And then you realize that you need to have even a more refined prayer. And then you realize that yesterday's prayer, so you want to do is you keep on peeling, 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 peeling away. That's called, that's called refining from below. Upwards, you're getting closer, pure, 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 pure up. Habir lamata lamayla. Ain shama makamazim ha erdenar eish noches. Shama varidem on itzaytes de tayu. We elevate the sparks of tayu. Lamayla. I don't know what the chafay stands for. Lamayla above. Vareyem oylem lamayla, and they go above. V'nechlalim, and they get absorbed. B'chayas hamarkava. In the eventually they get up and they become absorbed in the in the beasts of the chariot. Shemesham Yardu Venaflu, which it was from there, is where they fell. Kaniskalels, we said earlier. So he's asking the question I asked earlier. Why do we attribute their fall to the, to the Merkava? Why don't we say they're falling from Atsilas? Because isn't Atsilas one of the stages in the initial descent? So why are we attributing them to the Chayasa Merkava? And that's what he's going to explain is that Atsilas, you can't, you, can't, you can't reckon with Atsilas and put it into the same system. Because that silas is completed, considered completely purified. And therefore it has no common denominator, it has no common commonality with, with, with physical things. There's nothing to it. Because that silas is not a creation yet. Atsilas is still godly. Only when you have creation, so then you have two types of creation, a holy creation and a not holy creation. So there's a similarity. Vagam shakelem da silas, and even though the kelem of atsilas. Gam ke nasim ibirude akelim, the toyu, 
The kalim of Atzilis are also happening from these um, refined kalim of Toyu, from from as explained in Eitzchayim, the Mahayoyser Mufchar. From that, what's missing a word Mufchar? That which is, it brings it in the bottom. That which is the, the purest of the pure Nasu Akelam Datsilas. This is what brings about the Kalem, the vessels of Atsilas. Farshar Yardul Abriya, and the rest of him descended to the world of Bria. You can't compare the bearer of Atsilas to the bearer of Abriya. The Ba'atsilas, because in Atsilas, Nasa Habir Bishlemus. The rectification was to the very end. It was complete, complete, complete. Shem toiv legamri. They're completely good. They don't even have a tiny vestige of self, of, of distorted. There's no, there's no distortion there at all. The vessels of Atzilus are considered godly. There's not even a tiny bit of self, even a sliver of yesh in Atzilus. That's why the vessels of Atzilus are considered God. They're not considered a creature that loves God. It is Hashem. As it is known, the Kalim da Atzilus, the vessels of Atzilus, they're called Tahoirim, they're called pure. Because they're the purest something can be. They don't have any bit, they're like clean, clean, clean glass. They don't have a tiny bit of frosting in it, a tiny bit of something that makes you notice the glass. You don't notice the glass. You notice it's so clean that it's like a clean, clean window that you don't even notice there's a window there. That's how clean it is. There's no substance to it. They're completely divine. The creatures of Bria, even though they too are refined, the bitter is not to the very end. They have a little bit of yesh. They have a little bit of somethingness to them. Add to the point that they can even sin. That by angels it's also shayach, it's possible, a type of sin. Of course, they can't sin grossly like we can sin. But they can have a tiny little bit of something that's considered a sin. Kamoi, for example, they took out one of the malachim, he's called metat, and they gave him a lashing. Because for some reason, because Acher mistook him for God, he was sitting. And therefore, someone who was looking thought he was Hashem. And that's why they said, they said to the Malach, you can cause someone to make, you can portray yourself as being God? That means that you need a lashing. So they gave him a whipping. And also we know that from the perspiration of the, of the beasts, from these holy angels, it creates a hell. Remember we once spoke about this. That the, the, the sweat and the perspiration flowing from the angels ends up creating rivers of fire and they go down and those rivers become the fires of hell. So you say, hey, wow. If these angels, that from them can come hell, you say, hey, that means there's something, that means that there's something in them that's not pure. That's what we mean. It's the sweat that comes out of them. Something that's not pure. Because something that's holy and godly can't, doesn't create a hell. Um, you know what their whole problem is? When they're serving God, they feel themselves. They feel that they love. They're very, they're, they, have, they have a little bit of self-consciousness in their service. And so it is in the, in the angels even of Bria, which even higher. They're even more bittle. They're even deeper unified. Even more bittle, higher even than the chaos, than the beasts. They are called creatures, the Alma Cassia. They are called creatures of the concealed world. And, and, they're, and they're compared to fish. And what did we speak so many times that fish in the ocean 
are like part of the ocean. They have no identity. Like the fish in the sea, they're swallowed up in the water. So this is an indication of something that is completely unified with its source. But nevertheless, they're not totally bottle. Like will be explained. So how do they have a tikkun? How do they get out of their subtle yeshas? Now they're not able to do that. They can't pull themselves up by pulling on their own hair. Just like a person can pick himself up by pulling on his own hair. These angels can never get out of their subtle consciousness of self. Self-awareness. They can't free themselves from it. It's the ultimate trap. This is what's keeping them set. This is what's keeping them finite and not infinite. Because they're what? Because of their feeling their own self. That's blocking them. It's the ultimate block is self-awareness. So why? So, so the problem is, so how do they have a tikkun? They can't liberate themselves. Oh, the only way to liberate themselves, watch this, this is really super cool. When you take an animal, and we take a, a gross animal, a coarse animal, a thick animal, that's in our world from the shattered vessels, and we put it on the altar, or we eat it for the right purposes, and we bring bittle, we bring bittle to something that is not bottle. Till now the cow was not bottle, and now we're causing the cow to surrender itself to God. So what we're doing is we're creating an, an upward thrust of bittle. And what's happening is like this, this is energy of bittle rising higher and higher and higher. And as it goes into the upper worlds, it's multiplying and multiplying and multiplying. And it's becoming deeper bittle and deeper bittle. And as this energy is going deeper, suddenly it hits the Chaya Sakodesh from behind. Like, pew, like right in there. And it shoots them into a deeper bittle. I'm sorry, I shouldn't talk that way about the Malach. It, 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 it pushes them up. It gives them from below. Because the bittle that we create from below takes these Malachim and, 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 and brings them into... It, in other words, it knocks them out of their own consciousness of self. It brings them into a bittle, into Atzillus. And then what happens? That's what it means. That the beasts are carrying the throne. It means they go up into Atzillus. They enter into, out of the throne. What's throne? Is Hashem lowering Himself to down to be a creator of a creation? They elevate the throne back into the infinite light and there's no creation. They become lost in the infinite light of God too. But the only ones who can liberate them from their yeshes is we down here. That's why it says that the Malachim can't wait for a karbat. Because that's what liberates. That's the only thing that takes them out. Okay? The ikr shleimus tikkunam and their main shleimus of their perfection. Why? They avoid this abirudim. It's through the avoid of biru. Shalamata that we do down here. Shal yidei zenasis. When we... Well, for a carbon, what happens? Vachayos noisos. The chayos hakodesh are now carrying lalois pchenas bittel datzilus to elevate and bring themselves to a state of bittel of atzilus. Kamoshi is bar, like will be explained. Elchein shayach loymer alalos berudei anetutzes shalamata, and that's why it is fitting to say it is proper to say that the sparks of holiness that we're elevating shoyim that are elevating. So when we're saying they're elevating, we're saying they're elevating rak pchenas chayos hamarkava. We say we're elevating them up to the Chayas HaMarkava, to there. Because this, is, this, has a, this has a a some kind of a comparative relationship. And they are the source of the animal, of the distorted animal consciousness. 
They're sourced over there. Vehemogam came as Bararim. And they too are joining in this birur, in this rectification. Umistaknim al yadam. And they also get a tikkun through the carbon. Chulu. And it becomes a pleasant smell to Hashem. Vehinyan, and what's the idea? So now, now he's going to take it even deeper. Ki behema, because behema, this idea that we just discussed, this is the idea of yichud, ban, and ma. No, actually, we didn't discuss the yichud of ma and ban. What we discussed till now is the elevation of ban. In order for ban and ma to have a union, to get married, Yitzchak and Rivka, ma and ban to get married, the first thing is that, as that ban has to be elevated, has to come, rise upward. What is ban? Ban is the name of God that is related to the shattered, the broken pieces. The sparks of God that has broken and fallen all over, that's Ban. Related to, right? related to Malchus, related to the Shekhinah, the sparks of... It's the, it's the power through which the creation was made out of, which is the, these pieces of the shattered world, the debris of that shattered world, that's Ban. So the first thing it needs to do is you have to elevate it. That means, as we said earlier, you take something that is grossly egotistical, and you bring it to a surrender to God. That's how you elevate it. And then you make even a stronger surrender, and a deeper surrender, and a deeper surrender, and higher surrender. As you're bringing it up, that's ban. But as long as the animal, as long as the ban, as this, as this, as this creature or creation or this, doesn't, isn't completely, completely liberated from even the tiniest bit, thin sliver of self-awareness, it's still not completely rectified. It's still ban. Now, as we said earlier, it can't really liberate itself. It needs the power from below. But even the power from below takes it to the very roof of consciousness, of self-consciousness. But it doesn't take it past that roof. The only way for it to pass that barrier, the creation barrier, the only way it can, cra- it can, ca- it can, it can move from creation into the divine, which is an unpassable barrier, is if a matching light from above will be sent down to invite it in. In other words, as the energy is going up from below, seeking, hoping, yearning for liberation, yearning to be liberated from self-consciousness, from awareness, from, from, and to become a channel to God, and hoping it can do it, it can't, it can't do it on its own. There has to be a male energy from above, a light from above that shines upon it. And when it shines upon it, it stuns it with its powerful light, with its brightness, and then it loses its consciousness, its self-awareness, and it's absorbed in the light, and it becomes godly. That's called the union of ma and ban. Because the the light from above, that is pure godliness, comes down to meet the spark that's returning to it. The spark is making its its best effort to go back home. But it can't go all the way back home unless someone in the house will open up the door and let it in. And that's this union of ma comes to meet ban. Let my beloved go towards the bride. And this all plays itself out, Rivka and Eliezer. Rivka is that spark returning back. Rivka is the spark returning back. Eliezer is the agent of Avram, who's the ma energy, who's going down to help the spark out. Eliezer is the shliach of Avram. So he is, Avram is gematria. Avram, the word Avram is ever ma. 
he is the limb, he's the channel of ma, of bittel. That's what Avram says about himself. I'm dust and ashes. Avram, Avram is identityless. He's pure holiness. He's pure godliness. There's no I there at all. He's a liberated soul. He's an Atsilas. Avram is an Atsilas. Uh, Avram is living in Atsilas consciousness. Uh, and so is Yitzchak and Yaakov. But Rivka isn't. Rivka is in creation consciousness. She's trying to liberate herself. She's trying to get out. And she's being brought. She's being brought up to Yitzchak. But you need someone to go bring her. And that's Avram sending Eliezer, who's his agent, to go extract her and to enable this union of Ma and Ban to happen. Atzilus and Bria to converge. That's what we're learning over here. For Indian and that it ki behema, because behema gematria ban. Behema is gematria ban. And, and what do we do with Karbonos? We're elevating a behema. So we're, Fahainu, 52. Shashem ban, the name of 52, which is one of God's names. Nafal b'shviris hakelim detoyu. That's what's collapsed at the shattering of the vessels. Now what does it mean? Vessels collapsed. What are we supposed to see this as? Pieces? Pieces of glass? What are they? What it really means are vessels are letters, words. Words are, let, are, are, are vessels. When you have, imagine you're playing Scrabble and you create a bunch of words and then you take all the beautiful words that you made and you break the words up, you break the pieces, of the, you break up the, and you throw all the pieces back into the box. So what do you have? You lost all the content. When you take let, what are letters? What are letters? Letters make words. Words make sentences. Sentences make paragraphs. Paragraphs make chapters. Chapters make books. And books make volumes. And you have a big set of them. And then you have a bookshelf and you have a whole whatever. A library. Okay? When you have endless information. But the information is only there as long as the words are all organized together. Then they could contain, they serve as a home a facilitator, a home for the ideas that are in it. But if you go to a, if you go to a, um, a, a, a book, or you go to a, a whole arrangement of words, and you go, and you blow it, and all the words, all the letters suddenly break, and the words scatter, and then you only have an Aleph, a Gimel, a, a C, an F, a Q, all scattered, you've lost the energy. The energy isn't there anymore. And you just have now a bunch of things that, mean, that are just messed up. And that's basically what happened. God created this most magnificent, magnificent, beautiful, 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 angelic world. But it was too beautiful for the vessels to contain, to contain it. So they broke. And when that broke, you know what it ended up with? Oh, a bunch of pieces of things. And you end up with a world that looks so ridiculously insane. You can't wonder, like, why is this guy tormenting these people? And why is this good person suffering so and so? And why is this happening like this? It looks like just a bunch of disorganized things and trying to make sense of a totally ridiculous world. Because it's the letters of the world of Tayu that are scattered in all directions. And they lost, and you don't see the, you don't see the picture because you just have a bunch. You can have the most brilliant book, but if you're going to cut all the letters and you're going to throw them all over, gone is the biggest, the, the, the brilliance. Gone is the nicest poetry. All you just left is with stuff. And that's where we have a world. We have a world with stuff. What's our job? Our job is to take the stuff and put the letters back together again. Each one. And recreate the beautiful 
world that God created, and suddenly we'll turn around and we'll say, wow, what a magnificent world. There's nothing out of place in this world. Everything is so perfect. Everything is so synchronized. Everything is so correct. Everything is so godly. But now it's just a total mess. Right? So that's what he's saying over here. And the letters of Tayu, that's the idea of name ban. First they fell in Abria. And it became the energy of the world of Bria. From there it fell forward, lower, until they started falling into Klippas. To give life to the physical animal. And this is the idea of Ruach HaBehema, the sages say, the spirit of a human being rises upward. Why does the spirit of a human being rise upward? Because the spirit of the human being is not from broken consciousness. The spirit of the human being is from Ma. The neshama of a person is from Ma. It's from the rectified world. It's unified with God. The neshama comes from Atzilus. The spirit of the animal soul inside of us and the spirit of an animal it goes away from its source because it's, because it's confused. It doesn't know where its source is. So it goes away from its source. It, pu- it thinks it's going to reach fulfillment. That's what it is. It thinks it's going to reach fulfillment by more self-engrandizement, by more stuffing itself with more pleasure. Words, by being more devoted and dedicated and entrenched in itself, it thinks it's going to find happiness. What it's really doing is it's, it's digging itself a hole deeper and deeper and deeper and deeper because its whole, its whole mess is that, it's, that, it, that, that it fell disconnected from its source. And that's what's going on. That's why we, billions of dollars are being spent on therapists and on people this because that's all people do all day is think that but I'm going to have another car and another house and another this and I'm going to eat this and have this and have that. And, boop, 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 right? and what's going to do? It's going to, it's going to help me. But that's only wrapping you more into yourself. And the more you get wrapped into yourself, the, the more... That's the Yeruach HaBehema, Yeredes Lamata. It's going down. It's going away from source. Ah, so you need a neshama that's, you know, that knows its source. And says that my way to, to self-fulfillment and to happiness is not by d- digging further into myself, but by, by, by moving more into my source. By being less of an entity. By being more bitter. They may be unified with my source. It's going down. It, it, it descended so much to give life to an animal. That's an animal is that way. It knows only of itself. We have to raise up the letters, the shame ban. The letters of shame ban. How do you do that? We offer the animal on the altar. The ban. We lift the letters of Ban of 52, of the letters of Ban. Sha'oilim, they go up in the Chlalim, in Makoyram, and they're absorbed in their source. In the face of the ox that is in the chariot. And through this, and through this, what happens? The beasts carry the throne. They take the throne. And they take the person that's above the throne. In other words, once you put the animal back to its source, they create such a powerful energy, upward energy. What's an upward energy? An energy going towards source. An energy going into more bittal. How, how strong is that energy going? It's raising even the throne and the person that's on the throne, which is Hashem, so to speak, the Sphere of Atzilus, it's raising it into the ain't self light that's higher than Atzilus. Adam gematriyama. Adam is gematriyama. Va'ainu b'chin Hashem ma'adatikun. It's raising the Adam that's on the throne that's called... That's gematriyama. Because let's understand something. What did we say earlier? Which world has been fixed completely? Atzilas. Totally fixed. 
That's why it's in a state of ma. What does ma mean? Ma means what? means total bittel. I have no beingness. Total bittel. So ma is in a good state. Why does it have to be fixed? It doesn't have to be fixed, but it can still be elevated. The problem with Atsilas is, as we said earlier, it's a wonderful bittel digger world, but it doesn't have any broad value. Its, it's, its energy is reduced. The flow that's in it is, is, a, is, is a very limited, because we said the initial flow of the vessels was intense, and the vessels couldn't handle it. That's why they broke. So Atsilas is a pure world, but it's a weak world. It's weak in the sense that it's, that it's lacking the potency of the Ein Sof. So therefore, but when you take shattered pieces of the world of Tayu and you fix them, then that elevates Atsilas into the infinite light from Olam Atoyu. And now Atsilas is able to handle it because it absorbed the vessels that we rectify those vessels. Atsilas, okay. Okay. What does it mean that the Chayos carry the throne? They get excited. These beasts get excited and they lift the throne up. Hu'inyan, what does it really mean? It means aliyasam. It means that these beasts are elevated from self-consciousness. Sha'olim li kolel bebchenas adam. They rise to be absorbed in the face of man. Shalamata. When we make a birur from below, when the sparks of holiness are rising up, Nasa aliyah gam came b'pchenas hamarkava. Their markava as well is being elevated. Sha'olem, it is being, it is, it is, it is, it is, it is going up. Li kolel b'pchenas ma. It's going up from the ban, and it's going up to be absorbed into ma consciousness, into total bittel. Val and when it's, but it, but here's the thing: it can't go up into ma on its own. It can only rise towards it, towards the bittel. Then you need to have a hamshacha, a flow, what we call, this is called the serusa de latata. It's an arousal from below, and it stimulates in a, in a, a corresponding arousal from above to shine its light down. From the name of ma, and then the ma energy descends down into the ban to bring the purification. The shema, what's the, what's the purity that it needs? It needs, to re, it, needs to, it needs to recognize that God is the only reality. The Shema, Shema is a state of total transparency. Total bitl. As it says by Moshe, and I am what? Moshe is completely bottled. And therefore, That's why the Ma does a beer, does the rectification in Ban. What does that mean? It projects into Ban the MS that there's nothing but God, which Ban doesn't have on its own. Ban fundamentally feels itself. Because after the shattering of the vessels, it got, it got disconnected. And when you don't, right, and you don't feel your source, you feel yourself. Ma is complete Bittel. Now, once we draw ma into ban, what does that do? So then, all these entities, all these, all these um, uh, um, um, shards and 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 debris from the world of from the ban is now absorbed into the bittel of ma, and you have the marriage between Hashem and the world. Because the world becomes imbued now with the consciousness, with divine consciousness, and that is there's nothing but God. And even higher. 
or Birinian, and the explanation of the matter is as follows. The Nechayos of the Merkava, the beasts of the chariot, they are in the world of Bria. He's going to explain the fundamental problem with the world of Bria. And I, I explained a lot of this today already, so I'm going to read this very fast. Olam Abriya is a world what's called Bria. What does Bria mean? Creation. Creation means there's something other than God there. Or at least something that perceives itself like it's other than God. And by Bria it says, from there they separate. There is period, there is separation. How can the world of Bria be called the world of separation? The world of Bria is still completely, is, is bottled to Hashem. 